Um, turn with me in your Bibles this morning back to Psalms 103. Psalm 103. We're going to continue our study through the text this morning of this great, great psalm. Um, last week, last week we saw as David, he, he wrote out this prayer of blessing to the Lord for his salvation. And he, and he, he prays in such a way that, that it, is a, it is a prayer of blessing towards God for the salvation that he has experienced and, and the grace and the mercy. He starts out and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities and who heals your diseases. And so we have this, this amazing prayer of blessing that comes from David to the Lord in a, in a tone of thanksgiving and gratefulness for the salvation that's been given. So today, what I want to do is I want to continue our study through this text. And the idea in the next several verses, we're going to start um, in, in, in verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 6. And the idea of the text is, is the idea of forgiveness and, and, and being um, forgiven by God. And not only that, that God forgets, the, 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 in essence, the forgetfulness of and the blotting out of the sins of his children. Spurgeon once wrote, said, If God absolves me, that is all the acquittal that will be necessary for my salvation. I absolutely 100% agree with that. And it is absolutely true. If God says I'm forgiven, guess what? I'm forgiven. Amen? Let's try that again. Amen? Y'all, don't ever be afraid to make some noise in this church. We can be a little loud. How, how, like, let's just, okay, let's just do this. How many of you have sinned against a person, maybe in this room... And you've done something that was wrong. And you came to that person and asked them for their forgiveness. And at the moment they told you that they forgave you. But say like four months, six months, seven months, a year, two years later. They brought that up. Anybody? Maybe you, maybe you were that person that brought it up. I just Maybe you were that person. They, they brought it up again. Maybe, maybe that was... What happened? Maybe they, you wronged the person that you perp- you perpetrated a, a a wrong a sin against them, and they decided that well, yeah, I'm going to forgive you, but man, I'm not going to forget. I'm going to forgive you, but I'm nope, nope. Uh, it's not. They don't get hysterical. They get historical. Just they decide to go historical and bring up what was brought up in the past, and, and maybe. Maybe you were the person that did this, or maybe you've had that done to you. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 tells us the following. I am, I am he who blots out the transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your sins. Now, this verse does not mean that God literally forgets all sins or memory wipes his mind of sin. It means that 
He will not bring them back up again. It means that your sins are covered. It means that your sins are forgiven. Pastor H.P. McCracken said, If God does not literally forget our sins, what does Isaiah chapter 43, 25 mean? It should, we should understand this description of God in his covenant in this covenantal language by which he assures his people of the complete forgiveness of their sins. So with this idea in mind, we see in Psalms chapter 103 that this idea of this covenantal relationship between um, God and his people is truly amazing. Psalms 103 verse 10 says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. You say, well, that sounds great, but why why would he not do that? Because isn't the wages of sin death, Caleb? Romans chapter 6, verse 26, doesn't it say that, that the wages of sin is death? Well, yes, it is. And we know that Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that we've all sinned, we've all broken God's law, so why in the world does God not give us what we deserve? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 gives us the reason why this happens. For God made Christ to never sinned to be off or be in the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So, as a result of God cutting this covenant, I love that uh, Pastor McCracken called it a covenant, covenantal relationship. So, the God of the universe cuts a covenant with His Son, God the Son, on Calvary's cross. So, as a result of God cutting this covenant or this agreement with Jesus, His Son, on Calvary's cross, we're dealt with in a different light. We're not dealt with what we deserve. We're dealt with because of what Christ did on Calvary's cross. Amen? That's what happens in this moment. Psalms chapter 103 verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. So, the imagery here is of things that are never going to meet. East is never going to meet west. The sky is never going to meet the earth. Like Those are just things that never, ever, ever meet. God's forgiveness of our wickedness is absolutely, unimaginably perfect and complete. And we as human beings, I think, sometimes can miss that because, listen, our forgiveness of one another is not complete. Our forgiveness of one another has oftentimes things that are attached to it. I'll forgive you if. I won't be angry and hold a grudge if. Right? And when you come to Christ in repentance, He doesn't say, okay, I'll forgive you of your sins, but... He doesn't say that. The text doesn't teach that. He doesn't say, if you confess your sins, He'll partially forgive you. He'll partially grant you forgiveness. Right? When He says He forgives you, He forgives you of all of it. 
Every last bit of it. And oftentimes we as human beings, we miss how complete this kind of forgiveness is because we oftentimes don't forgive like this. We forgive, but we'll hold on to have conditions to it. We'll say, listen, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget this. I'll hold this over your head till the day I'm dead. God doesn't do this. Listen to what Spurgeon said as a continuation in that quote that I gave earlier. He says, if God acquits me, if God acquits me, that will be enough. Were I such a reprobate that all men hissed at me and wished me gone from existence? If I knew that they would never forgive my crime, though I ought to desire my fellow creatures' forgiveness, it would not be necessary that I should have it to enter heaven. If God says, I forgive thee, that is enough. It is only God that can forgive satisfactorily because no human pardon can erase the trouble of a troubled conscience. Woo. That's if, if God acquits me, that's more than enough. I, that's all I need. His forgiveness is absolutely and completely 100% done and over with. When he said on the cross, when he said, to tell us die, it is finished. That means all of the sins of all that would believe through all of the corridors of eternity. Moment. Those who would believe have been 100% forgiven of everything. Verse 13 in Psalms 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. This is a, a, a more imagery of, of things that we come to understand. A father. We're, we're, in, we're fixing to step into the month of celebrating fathers, which consequently I think that's interesting that we live in a day and a time that the month that we are supposed to celebrate fatherhood and fathers has been overshadowed and overcast with immorality. It's a side note, y'all. Get that. You're y'all getting this one for free. But man... That speaks volumes because what has Satan's goal been? I want to take the man out of the equation. If I could take the man out of the family, I could destroy the family. If I could take the godly example of what God has laid out as fatherhood, then the family unit. And that's been his goal since the beginning of creation, to take out the family. But... God gives us this beautiful picture in verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. A good father will have compassion on his children. There were times in my life that I totally and absolutely and completely deserved my father's anger and wrath for the wicked and stupid things I'd done. Anybody else? Just checking. Just, okay, got a couple in the room. Everybody else? We're, I think we're in the we're in the wrong room because nobody else raised their hands. So maybe we're we might be contaminating the sanctuary. I don't know. Anybody else get that should have gotten trouble for something they did and they didn't get in trouble? Listen, I'll never forget this example of what my father did for me. An amazing thing that my dad did for me. Taught me what it looked like to be to the gospel of of God stepping in and taking my punishment. I had done something. I don't remember what it was. 
And I, it was deserving of a spanking. Like, I, Dad, listen, I grew up in a day and a time when anybody could whip you. Anybody else? Like, that, you'd be walking through the store, and you, you misbehave in a grocery store, and someone would pop you, and no one would be like, well, let me go call DHS. There was no such thing as D- DHS or timeout. Anybody could whip me, and there's nothing wrong with me. I got no, I got no problems. Now listen, like that's, listen, the scripture says that God disciplines those he loves. And so there was this moment I did something and I deserved a spanking. I deserved it. My father steps in and he handed me the paddle. And he said, I'm going to take your punishment for you. You spank me. And I was like, well, and I know, I knew I was wrong because I, I remember, I don't remember what I did, but I remember it was bad. And I said, no to that, dad, I deserve the spanking. I was the one who did the wrong thing. He goes, I know, but I'm going to take your punishment for you. I'm going to take what you deserve. Dad, you can't, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I don't want to spank you, dad. And I, I remember uncontrollably snot-filled bawling. I, I don't want to do it, Dad, please. And he said, no, you're going to do it. And, you know, you know, it wasn't like, I, in my mind, I thought I hurt him. I didn't hurt him. I didn't wound him. But, man, it was, t- and then, he, and you know what he did? He opened the Bible and he talked about how Christ stepped in and at just Romans chapter 5 at just the right time Christ died for the ungodly and he preaches the gospel to me through a moment of discipline and this is the idea a father that shows compassion I, I deserved my dad's wrath but I did I, I, he showed compassion on me because why because he loved me now don't that, that didn't mean that there weren't consequences to my actions oftentimes. Listen, there was plenty of times I did get a whipping. There was plenty of times I did get grounded. There were plenty of times that things took place that were consequential because of my evil actions. And my father did discipline me because the scripture does say in Hebrews that Jesus disciplines those he loves. And if he doesn't, you say, well, God doesn't discipline me for my sin. Don't be bragging about that because if you read in Hebrews, that means you're not a legitimate child of His. If God doesn't discipline you over your sin, you're probably not a Christian. And you need to repent and believe the gospel. Got that one for free too. Now, like I said, there were consequences to my actions. I got in trouble, but every, everything ended with a sweet reconciliation. Like that was my dad's end goal of discipline. And he always taught this to me as a, as, a, as a young father. Go to your children and the goal of discipline is reconciliation. The goal of being a, a disciplinarian is not to be the, just a wrathful ogre that comes in slashing and beating and acting like a fool. It, the goal is come and let's reconcile. At the end of it, there was always a why you should ask for forgiveness if you wrong someone, go seek for forgiveness and then go to Christ and seek forgiveness there. That was the idea in my father's discipline. And that's the direction I've gone with my children is through discipline. We walk through why it's important. You're getting in trouble. And then if you need to seek forgiveness, do it. The idea of discipline ended in sweet reconciliation. This is the same idea 
here in this text, for those who love, fear, and respect the Lord Jesus Christ, he shows compassion on those who do this. Now listen, God, and here's the thing, God knows us. God understands us. God, God's not up in heaven going, I just don't understand those people. He understands us completely. He knows where we came from. He understands the direction that we, that we head. He understands our proclivities. He understands our desires. He understands everything about us. Verse 14 tells us this. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Listen, he knows that you are weak. He knows it. I am weak, but thou art strong. We just sang it. Uh, Jesus, keep me from all wrong. Right? This is the idea here. He understands this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 20 says, All go to one place. All go to one place. He, we were formed out of the dust and we're going back to it. Listen, there's coming a day. If you dig up somebody long enough and far enough out into the... If they, way, they died several thousand years ago. A lot of times you're going to find just a thing of dust. Ecclesiastes 3.20 All go to one place. All are from the dust and will return to it. Death, listen, death's coming. And it's just a matter of time. It's not a matter of if, but when. As dad used to say, time and water win. Those are the two things that always win. But for a believer, but for a believer, going back to the dust is not a fearful thing. Death is not a constraint for us as Christ followers. It's It's actually a liberator. Death is actually a liberator for Christians. Not only in the physical sense, but when you take death to yourself, when you take death to your rights, you're actually liberated from the constraints of a fallen world. Tim Keller, who just died uh, this last week, Pastor Tim Keller, he said, all death can can now do to Christians is to make their lives infinitely better. Death for a Christian makes their lives infinitely better. That was the last thing he said before he died. That was his last statement before he died. But I I mean, verse 15 in Psalms 103 gives us this, listen, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in a field and the wind passes over it and it's gone. And in its place, it's known no more. This is showing us that life is fast. It happens quickly. I'm a young man today, but hey. Having a hard time seeing, folks. We're not on this planet for long. But look at verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to His children's children and to those who keep His covenant and remember His commandments. Oh, His steadfast love is forever. Forever ends. Oh, for those who have trusted Christ, life is never going to end. You never have to say goodbye to a Christian if you are a Christian. It's just, listen, I'll see you in a little bit. 
I'll see you in a little, in a little while. For those that have fallen asleep on this side, it is not goodbye for a believer. It is just, I'll see you in a little bit. Everlasting life is yours because of the work of Christ on the cross in your life. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that God has handed out, this is the kind of love and mercy that's handed to those who have placed their hope in Christ alone. Verse 18, those who keep His covenant. What's the covenant? Those who follow the gospel, those who trust the gospel and remember to do His commands, those who are obedient to Him. You say, Caleb, listen, golly, Caleb, I hear you saying this. I hear you saying this, Pastor, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a mess. I have done horrible things. Yep, you probably have. Scripture says that you've sinned. You've broken all of God's commands. You've lied. You've stolen. You've committed adultery. You've murdered. You've not kept the Sabbath. You've not done, you've not done the things that the Ten Commandments have called you to do. You've coveted. You've done all the things you shouldn't have done. You're guilty. Yes, you're guilty. But Psalms 103 verse 8 says the Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Anybody in the room thankful for that? Anybody in the room excited that God's slow to being angry at you? Yeah, I am. Oh, I am, ladies and gentlemen, this morning I am thankful to the Lord that He, listen, you know what I deserve? God to take off this roof and go, boo! Gone. That's what I deserve. But man, God's been gracious to me. Anybody else in the room? God's been gracious to me. He's patient. So this should encourage you to understand that the mighty triune God of the universe is patient. He's patient with you. Now, don't impose on that patience. Like, don't hear this in a sermon and go, well, good deal, pastor. God's patient. I'm going to go get drunk. I'm going to go rob a bank. I'm going to go sleep around. I didn't say to go do those things. But what that should encourage us as Christians, that God's patient with us, is, man, God, I want to pursue you. I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to be obedient to you. I want to do what you've called me to do. The call and the challenge this morning is for us that, if, listen, if you've not repented of your sins, repent of your sins and trust Christ today. And if you've done that, if you say, well, Caleb, I have done that. Are you walking in the grace that God's handed out? Are you walking in a manner worthy of your calling? Or are you just sort of kind of tiptoeing and being lazy? Are you walking in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ? If not, why not? And if it, I can't think of a better weekend, Memorial Day weekend, remembering the sacrifice of men and women for our freedoms. The ultimate sacrifice that's been given was Christ on Calvary's cross when He died and gave His precious blood as the atoning mechanism to buy us back and to give us right standing with the God of the universe. Oh, I can't think of a better day for you to repent and trust Christ's work on Calvary's cross today. And Jesus has made a promise. If you confess your sins, 
He doesn't forgive you in part. He doesn't give, he doesn't say, okay, I'll forgive this sin, but I'm not forgiving this one. He says, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. So it doesn't matter how dark, how bad, how wicked, how evil you've been. Christ's grace, we sang it last Sunday, grace is greater. His God's grace is greater than your sin. God's grace is more powerful than any sin ever committed by a human being. Period. Anybody else thankful for that one? God's grace is stronger and mighty and more powerful than your sin. God's grace will never be overshadowed by sin. God's grace will always overthrow sin. Will always take it out. Woo. Today, if, that's, if you've not repented, I would encourage you and challenge you today. Say, well, Caleb, what's the invitation? That's the invitation. Repent and believe the gospel. What, do I need to walk the aisle? No, you don't need to walk an aisle. You know what you need to do? the end of the service come grab me and say pastor i want to repent of my sins and i want to trust the gospel guess what i'll open the text i'll put my reading glasses on and we'll walk through it together we'll read the scripture together and i'll show you and there's been men and women in this room at this place that have done that have grabbed me and said pastor i need to talk to you about this and we've sat on this pew we've sat on that pew we've sat over here on these pews and we've unpacked the text together can i get an amen from somebody that's Got a, got a f- couple folks in the room that we've done that with. Guess what? The ground around the cross is level. The access to the cross, come on in. The invitation is here. God's, if God's wooing you and calling you into this, then come on. Quit making excuses and start making a plan to do what Christ has called you to do. Repent and believe the gospel. That's it. All right. 